Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Good morning, everyone. I hope you all are ready because I want to say that first service was all turned up, but it could have been just me because I've had coffee and then another coffee, so you're all welcome. But um, I'm Kyle Smith. I um, have been with Simple Church from the beginning when we started and uh, I always like to say that we started from the bottom, now we're here, because that's literally how I feel. I was just saying the other day, I'm so thankful that we're out of the funeral home, not because we were there, but because we have our Saturdays back. We're no longer setting up and tearing down, and if you were part of that experience, you got your Saturday back, and you, you just have to be thankful. But um, So let me just tell you how I started with Simple Church. My husband, Derek, that is who I'm married to, not Aaron. Some people get that confused. <laughs> I leave that part up to my bestie, Shanda, for her to take that on. She does a great job, by the way. Um, But my husband, Derek, is our creative director, and he literally came home one night. I had a meeting with Aaron, came home and said, so you know the DeLongs? I'm like, yeah, love Aaron and Shanda, of course. And he was like, so they're starting a church, and we're going with them. And I was like, oh, okay. So we were pretty involved at a church in Pickerington called C3, and we were um, community group leaders over there, so we were helping with Bible studies and stuff, and then we were almost on a track to oversee all of those community groups and stuff too. So I was like, we're planted, this is what we're doing, and then Derek's like, nah, we're going to go with them. Here was my response. I've never even heard this dude preach, and we're just going to go with him? Are you kidding? Like, I like him, but what are we doing? So we met with Aaron and Shanda. We went over, had dinner, and just, I just asked, like, hey, I just need to know your heart, like your vision for what you see for Reynoldsburg and stuff. Well, here we are, and I'm on board. Love them. I love what they do, and I know that God uses them in mighty ways, and um, so that's how we're here. Now, if you don't think you're going to grow with a place like Simple Church, let's just rewind back four years when I never think I'm going to be up preaching someday, but here I am today because that's what he does. He, Aaron will challenge you to grow, and then the, God will speak to you in that way, too, like, This is what we need to be doing. Um, But also here at Simple Church, I help oversee the administrative team. And what that really means is like, I show up to meetings and help take care of stuff, but really the girls on the team with me, they really do it all because they're phenomenal at what they do. And um, I I lead worship every once in a while, I'm on the worship team. So if you're used to seeing the big hand gestures that I do during worship, you're welcome because it's going to happen today while I'm speaking. So if you're in the back, you're good to go. The irony of being asked to talk about comparison for me is staggering because when Aaron made that phone call and asked if I would talk about comparison, I was like, okay, cool, it's Mother's Day. But what you don't know is that I was probably nine weeks out from my first bodybuilding competition. So that, me, that for me is what? I'm literally asking someone else to compare me against other women on stage, all of my work. So there was huge irony, and it was kind of funny to me to think, like, oh, you really want me to speak about this? And, um, but comparison's always been a struggle for me since I was younger. And when I hit probably 11, 12 years old, one of my friends said something to me in innocence, but yet it took such a turn in my life that it just opened up this pathway for body image issues that I've struggled with since then. Nothing that she said or did to me, it was 
just the words and how Satan got a hold of that and just ran with it. And so that to me was like, all right, God, I know you're speaking to me about this and this subject matter. So the last four weeks, we've talked about several things in the I Quit series. I really love this series. I would like to call it the Basic Adulting 101 because of what we've explored. So the first week, we learned how to quit making excuses. The second week, we quit complaining. Now, I know someone today may not like the fact that I'm speaking, but if you hear them talking about that, refer them back to week two of quit complaining. <laughs> week three, we learned about quit, how we can quit living in fear. And so for me all this week and studying, I'm like, oh, that's real funny, Aaron, because week three, I don't get to be in fear because you just taught me how to not live in fear. And now I can't say that I'm scared to get up Sunday and talk about comparison. So here we are. We all fall into the pit pitfalls of comparison. And we know it goes back as far as the beginning when God created everything and everyone. Because you can go back and read about Cain and Abel. And what happened? Two brothers both make sacrifices to the Lord and God honors one and not the other. And what happens there? A comparison. Because Cain doesn't understand why one would be, one sacrifice is honored over the other. And so what does he do? He kills his brother. Because instead of focusing on his relationship with the Lord and wondering and really observing and moving forward of why his sacrifice wasn't honored, he chooses to kill his brother. So that's a good reference. But it's been, the comparison's been in us since we were kids. If you're a foodie like me, you know as growing up with siblings that when they had an ice cream cone, you know you're like judging the swirl up on top because you know that they got a bigger serving size than you did or their toy is bigger than what you got or they got more quantity of presents than what you got and we compare that. But it doesn't stop. It hasn't stopped. Now that we're older, we compare cars when they're new, when they're old, you bought the new car and now someone's got the 2017 model out already. We compare our possessions when we're talking about getting a house and stuff, but our friend down the street, they've got, you know, the three-bedroom house with two and a half baths, and they've got the big old tub and stuff, and you got one bathroom in your house. We compare. We compare. I think the biggest thing is our appearances, our body shapes, styles, everything. And uh, for women, it could be your hair, like the style of your hair, the cut of your hair, the color of your hair, anything like that. For men, it's if they have hair. I think one of the biggest things for comparison is social media. Probably like the last 10 years, oh my gosh, it's blown up because what can you do? You have comparison in your back pocket at all times. You literally will pull out your cell phone and you open that up and you will see that so-and-so just got engaged and so-and-so has a new house and this person has the best selfie angle, Scott Harvey. But <laughs> if you know him on Facebook, I, I compare to that too. He knows that I tell him all the time that I compare my selfies to his because they're just that good. But we compare that stuff, and then we're broken up about it. And I really, I, a lot of that was, is with social media. And then there's like, there's this one piece that just gets me in the comparison trap every time. And its name is Pinterest. And uh, I discovered Pinterest several years ago, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to be awesome. Like, I can see hair and nails and all this other thing, and like these crafts and these awesome people out there doing stuff. And then you have friends like Shanda and Amanda. And they take Pinterest to a new level. And uh, I learned that lesson one day thinking about myself when I wanted to spend time with them. So we took a trip to Ikea, not my cup of tea, but I want to spend time with the girls. So I went 
and they've got awesome plans to redo their kitchens and their bathrooms, and I learned what shiplap was and all this stuff, and um, so we get down there, and I came in under budget because while they were buying cabinets and mirrors and stuff for their house, I bought Swedish fish. Because <laughs> it's Swedish. And I was so proud of me, and I was under budget, right? Because Derek was cool with me, only spending like five bucks. But they were delicious, and they can't eat their cabinet. <laughs> but also made me compare things, too, because like at my house, I have a dinosaur that holds toilet paper up, and I love it. I think it's hilarious. My husband painted it blue. I love it. But then I'll get to somebody's house, and I'm like, oh my gosh, their stuff is so cute because they built this toilet paper holder, and they stained it, and their bathroom is perfect, and they've got these mason jars, and it's country chic, and why are they so much cooler and better than me? Every time. It gets me every time. The other second part, the next layer of Pinterest, momming, which for me is hard because there's Pinterest mom, and there's Amazon Prime mom, and Lord, I'm an Amazon Prime mom because I just cannot hang with the mom who rolls into school with snacks and their, their snacks for their kids are like gluten-free, grain-free, you know, in a banana boat with homemade eyeballs and stuff to make the kids eat it. And it's got a graham cracker crumble that they design themselves and put up on top. And Lord, I am just thankful that I made it to the store on time to get individually bagged of pretzels, some cheese sticks, and some Capri Sun. And if you know my daughter, it's all got to be name brand because she's stuck on that right now. So I couldn't save the money because I'm trying to be a cool mom. But I'm not a cool mom because it's not Pinterest level. But I will compare. I will literally look at those snacks and be like, why can't I be a better mom? Why can't I just take the time and do all that stuff with her and, you know, get it together and have it completely perfect? I will fall into it every single time. And then earlier this week, I threw it out there on Facebook. Where do you find yourself comparing? And I thought, oh, man, I don't know if anybody's going to answer this, but I think I'll have a few friends who will, you know, answer me. And uh, 50 comments later, within a few hours, it's staggering to look at it because what are we comparing? Money, how much someone has compared to you, time maybe, talents. And then the biggest one was ultimately body shape and body style. More so of that coming from women. And that just breaks my heart because growing up with that issue all on my own and then wanting to impress that into women that I speak to of like, oh my gosh, you don't even know the value that you have. You are more precious than rubies. The Bible says that. Then a gemstone, you are more precious than that. He created you. And it's like, I'll say that to somebody, but I can't always feel it or understand it myself. But it just broke my heart that that's what my friends would say when, when I look at them, I'm like, oh my gosh, these girls, they are beautiful. They are amazing. Their hearts for Jesus are just on fire and they love on people in ways that they've just got something special about them. They're the shiny. And how do they not see it sometimes? Why have we let a number inside our pants define our value? It's a number. And I, and I say that with you know, great conviction, but I still walk that every single day. So don't think that I've got it all figured out and stuff. I don't. I just know that the way that I look and stuff is not defined by the number inside of the tag. Everyone has their own thing, and when we start to compare, we start to feel insecure amongst others. You may not think that, okay, I don't compare my body style or my career and finances and stuff. Maybe you don't. But you might have other circumstances where you do. You might be single, and you might be wondering why someone else is married and you're not. 
God, just send me my spouse. You know, I don't understand I'm a good person. Give, you know, why don't I have them? You might be trying to figure out why someone else has climbed the corporate ladder and you haven't yet. You know, God, I, I don't understand. I went to school. I'm more educated than they are. I have this and they don't. You might be um, trying to have a baby and questioning, God, I don't understand. We're good people. Why can't you just, why, why can't we have this baby? There's someone else out there who has three kids and just doesn't care. And, and we judge and compare. You know, even on the flip side, I'll compare what's wrong with me because I don't have a desire to have more babies. I have friends that are amazing moms and I get excited when they're having babies, but I just do not have baby fever at all. And for a while I questioned, (laughs) happy Mother's Day, Kyle, woo. (laughs) Um, The, uh, the, the problem is that I don't have the desire to have more babies, and I would question, like, God, what's wrong with me? Because, like, as a woman, I should, like, want to have more babies, right? Because all my friends are awesome moms, and, like, I needed to be like them and have more kids. But what's wrong? I don't have that feeling. And what was I doing? I was just comparing them and what, you know, God has for them on their life and stuff. But I'll fall into it. I call it the one and done method. Like we got, we got pregnant by surprise. I actually was not really planning on having kids. So I didn't, I had one. That's it. Comparison. So comparison is an underlying way that Satan uses to get us to an unhealthy place. It's toxic. I've shared with you briefly, like my body image issues and how Satan just got a hold of that and just took, took off running with it. And, um, it just came from like learning that I was bigger than other girls. I had no idea until my friends said it. Honestly, like I grew up, it was like 11 or 12, and we were gonna take photos because her mom has all these awesome daffodils, and she handed me a pair of shorts and I couldn't get them on. And innocently, she said, You just need a bigger size. Like, that's it. But to me, it was, You're fat, you're not good enough, you don't fit here, you don't fit in these pants, but you don't belong and you're not good enough. And that stayed with me. This entire time it has stayed with me. And this girl I grew up with, we're still friends and stuff. I highly respect her. She, you know, I wish I know now, like, hey, she's probably going to be tall and skinny her entire life and everything and going to have a baby and look amazing after. And you're not, but that's okay. But had I known that, maybe it would make me understand a little bit differently of how God designs each and every single one of us and to find joy in that instead of comparison. So just go with me this morning as we're talking about comparison and talking about what the Bible says about comparison. Um, I'd like to say, let me be your little tour guide. And they didn't want me to wear my El Salvador camp counselor shorts that are tan with the pockets and stuff, even though I really wanted to. Um, So I was like, well, let's just go on this little trip. So while, while I was studying, there was something I came across that said, the Bible isn't hard to understand it's hard to embrace. And I was like, oh, okay. Because I kind of just thought, like, maybe that's why people don't read it, is because it is hard. And then after reading that, it was realizing it is hard to embrace. Because when you read it, what happens? Jesus calls you to something. He calls you to change. And change can be incredibly hard and difficult. We don't want to do it. It's inconvenient for us. It's just plain difficult to change sometimes and get out of those ruts. But it's just what it is. It's just not hard to understand. It's just hard to embrace. 
So if you're taking notes this morning, which I highly suggest because it's great to kind of look back and kind of see where you were and how far you've grown, the first note that you could write is, comparison is the death of intelligence. And I'll say that again. Comparison is the death of intelligence. It's just not wise to compare. 2 Corinthians 10.12 says, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that was a whole lot of themselves, so I had to read it a few times. But essentially, what it's saying is we are all different people on different paths, accomplishing different things in life. God has called each one of us to do different things. Their gifting is not the same as your gifting. They don't compare. It's not that one is more important than the other. They don't compare. And when you compare your gifting to theirs, you're not being wise. And we'll not be judged by what others have done when we die. God's going to look at us and judge us based on what we have done. The works that we did, that's what he's going to focus on, not what everyone else around us did. When we, when we compare, it destroys relationships. It destroys friendships and marriages. Like if I spend my time comparing how other husbands like will get up and sweep and empty the dishwasher without being told and stuff, I'm going to end up really resentful and, and angry. And that's not the kind of wife I want to be. I want to have a great relationship with Derek. Um, I just can't compare it. You know, it took some time to learn, but we're going into 10 years. and I'm like, okay, I think we're at a smooth, a smooth spot where I can understand I cannot compare the type of dad that other guys are, the type of husbands and stuff that they are, because it's not the same. The expectations that you might have in your, that you've set forth in your marriage, your relationship might be completely different than another marriage. It's not the same. And to compare it is not wise. So again, comparison is the death of intelligence. Another way that comparison gets us is that it gives birth to pride. Comparison gives birth to pride. When we compare, we either feel inferior or superior, right? You either win or you lose. So... Um, I grew up watching with my mom the uh, Young and the Restless and the Bold and the Beautiful, which is like high drama and stuff and all that, all that uh, crazy drama. But um, I discovered like back before Christmas how much I love those old school Bible movies, right? Like black and white 1950s Gregory Peck. I might be showing my age here, but not much. I know one person knows what it is. But anyways, it's it's really dramatic and stuff. The David and Bathsheba one is a great one. I, I just, I was sucked into it. And Derek was like looking for any chance to get out of the house. He just hated it and despised every minute. But I was like, more, I need more. But um, when I read Luke 18, 11, if you know about those movies, you know how the imagery came across in my head when I read about the Pharisee. Luke 18, 11 says, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. So I didn't like see it in my head as like, oh, he stood by himself and prayed. I saw it as the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. 
like real big. He's full of himself. That's how I see it. And you might think to yourself, like, well, hey, I don't pray that way. And you might not say it, but you think it. And I'll give you a few examples. So you're at Walmart, and if you're like me, you do not want to be in Walmart. You're thinking of everything else you could do to not be in Walmart. But you're at Walmart, and you hear that blood-curdling scream, and you're just like, oh, sweet Jesus, no. And it just permeates through the air, that scream. And you can just feel like the temperature rising because there is a kid throwing an epic fit on the floor, screaming his or her head off because they're not getting the toy that they want. Right? I know it's all happened. Um, and what do we think? Oh, I would never be that parent. I would never let my kid do that. I would be so different, more disciplined, or not spoil them and stuff. And I have probably said or thought, well, you've never had a kid if you think your kid will not have a fit, because it will happen. And we just, we get, we get prideful. We think, I would never let my kid do that. They need more attention. They need more discipline. All right, so maybe you don't align with that example. That's cool. Maybe you're non-judgmental and you're down with parenting. Maybe you get full of yourself and have prideful issues when you're rolling into the Simple Church parking lot because you're going to come in and get some donuts and cookies and coffee, and you make that turn into the parking lot, and you're driving down, and guess what you see? You see someone walking in, hitting that front door, and they take a big old, I don't know, what's it called? Cigarette. They, they smoke their cigarette. Drag, thank you. Non-smoker here. <laughs> they take their drag, and you're like, oh, straight appalled. Oh my gosh, how could they do this? Oh. But you keep that inner rage to yourself because you're going to love on Jesus, and, you know, that's what you got to do. So you come in, you got to listen to Aaron talk about Chipotle because he does that. We've learned guac is extra. And... Um, so we wait, and we're all like, hey, how are you? Praise Jesus. Worship was amazing. See you all next week. And we get in our car, and we're talking to our spouse or our friend, and we're like, oh, my gosh, did you see so-and-so hitting that cigarette? Oh, my gosh, I could not even believe that. And they, um, what do they do? They 1 Corinthians six nineteen. you. Don't they know their body is a temple? Don't they know? I know that you know that because you've probably heard someone say that right? Like, I'm even pretty sure I have said that, like, several years ago, like, don't they know? Ah. And then what do we do? Where are we going for lunch? Roll up into those golden arches, roll down the window before you got power window skills. Yes, can I have the, uh, the Big Mac, please? And, um, you know, they used to supersize that thing. And uh, I'll take the large fries, and I'm going to need some Big Mac sauce on the side because I'm going to dip my French fries in it. And, uh, oh, what do I want you to drink? Oh, I'm going to need a Diet Coke because I don't drink any calories. <laughs> don't you know your body is a temple? Another message. But we do that. We become full of ourselves because of pride. And that's where I learned the phrase, uh, you do you, I'm going to do me. Like when Aaron says that I, I can't even and how I align with that, those little phrases Oh my gosh, they're like wildfire for me. Because you do you, I'm going to do me. It gave me so much freedom that I didn't have to worry about like what other people were doing. I just had to focus on me and like chasing after Jesus and having a relationship with him. There's a great quote about comparison. C.S. Lewis says, 
we say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer, cleverer, or better looking. If everyone became equally rich, clever, or good looking, then there would be nothing to be proud about. It is the comparison that makes you proud. Now I'll just let that sink in for a second. So what else does comparison do? Comparison gives birth to jealousy. Comparison gives birth to jealousy. It's another toxic measure. 1 Samuel 18, 6-9, when the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals, and this was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. And so from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. It's an interesting perspective considering instead of celebrating what David had done, Saul was jealous. He enabled him to be a success. Like, if you know what he did, he suited David up and sent him out into battle. Like, he helped get him out there. And instead of celebrating that he was able to be victorious, he became jealous and insecure over it. He could have helped him build this great kingdom, and he could have been the greatest king that ever lived, but instead he was jealous of it. For me, that's just an example of, it's a a good example of a weak leader, and um, you've probably worked with weak leaders. You've had weak leaders in your life. And a great point is that leaders train leaders. They choose to see unique gifts that God gave us, and they run with that. For me, being a good leader is um, seeing that those leaders will help train others to shine brighter and go further. It's essential. Personally, in my life, Growth Track came at a time where we're talking about taking people and learning about their skill set and helping them develop them and send them forward. And you can have two responses in that season as a leader. You can either choose to look at it that Simple Church no longer wants you. They don't think that you're good enough to do what you've been doing this whole time and you get jealous and insecure of what could potentially happen. Or you could choose to embrace it and realize that God has gifted people and they can use these abilities to go further. Specifically on the admin team, I call, them, I call them my girls because I just generally have all women on the team. But these girls will take stuff and run with it. I mean, like, just knock it out of the park. Last year, I turned over this simple church shindig to one of the girls, and her execution was brilliant. Far better than what I could have done. Anything. But she used her gifting. On our growth track, we have behind the scenes what we call a pipeline, and Kara does a fantastic job of taking that data and putting it all in. And it makes me giddy because of the type A that I am to go back through and see the spreadsheet. But she's using a gifting so much better than I could. I could either choose to stay jealous and keep that away from people and keep things like the other data entry that we need to do away from them. Or I could choose to support them and let them do their thing, their gifting that God gave them. It also shows that when you're able to be a good leader like that, that you can be a great value to the team. 
that's important too. It shows others that you know how to identify people and get them out there and you help them use their gifts. When we compare, we either win or we lose. It destroys the potential that God has for each and every single one of us. So if you're taking notes, you might want to write down, I often compare in, write it down. What do you compare in? Is that body shape? Is it career? Finances? Whatever it is, take a second and write that down. Because it's time to stop being held captive from what we're comparing ourselves to. I mean, if I'm being honest, when Aaron asked me to preach, I literally have been sitting here thinking and comparing, like, how is my effectiveness of preaching going to compare with his? Like, how? What am I going to do? But God's going to use me differently to reach people, right? And I was so nervous to, to get up this morning and come in and speak because I wanted people to feel educated and feel comforted and, you know, feel the comfort that they're used to of Simple Church. And I know that people either come in and they either laugh with Aaron or they laugh at Aaron. <laughs> so I was a little nervous about that and comparing effectiveness there. So it's just crazy. Like to me, it's like been the last few weeks of really studying this comparison game. So how do we win that battle of comparison? How do we do it? John 21, 15 through 22, reads, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple that Jesus loved. The one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, but what about him, Lord? And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Now, it's kind of hard to like, you got to think about the backstory of what's going on here because I know you might read it and be like, okay, he's asking him three times if he loves him and stuff. But maybe you don't know that Jesus has been resurrected and he... Um, knows that Peter has denied him three times. And so when he's asking, do you love me? That's because it's not just, oh, I'm hurt. It's not today's like someone said something to you on Facebook that you don't agree with and you're offended and hurt. He is grieved. He is deeply wounded because of what he's got going on in his fleshy side. And Jesus is asking him, do you love me? Because at first when I read this, I was like, well, why is the disciple behind them significant? And then I realized... It's because he is still so busy comparing that other person and being worried about that instead of chasing after Jesus and following him. That that's why Jesus is saying, follow me. What is it to you? What God is doing in someone else's life has nothing to do with what God is doing in your life. What God is doing in someone else's life has nothing to do with what God is doing in your life. Which brings me back to, you do you. You do you, boo-boo. 
So what's God speaking to you about? What is it? Is it that God wants you to share your faith or your story? Or maybe God's tugging at you to lead a grow group? Is it stuff like that? Or maybe you're just worried like, well, God, what about them? Why aren't they sharing their story? Why aren't they leading a group and stuff? We've got to stop that comparison. We have to focus on him. Instead of living our purpose, we're chasing what he does in others. And it has nothing to do with us. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I'm like, oh, awesome. And then I was so proud of myself, and I was so excited because God just orchestrated this whole morning because I never looked at Planning Center to see what song list was. And in Take Courage, it's you who hung the stars. And I'd been praying, like, God, I just I need them to see something. And it's like, well, if I can create the heavens and the moons, and I will hang these stars. It's his handiwork. And he decided that he needed you. Your custom, one of a kind, the maker of the heavens and earth, decided he needed you. The one who hung the stars, moves the sea, and he still chose to make you. You are a product of his handiwork, which means personally, personally made by him. Handiwork. If you're getting baptized after or at the end of service, now is your time to go get prepared for that, which is awesome. So how do we do this? How do we quit comparing? How do we move forward? It's really simple. It's not easy to always do, but we follow Jesus. Luke 9.23 says, And then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Can we just pray this morning? God, we thank you for helping us to quit comparing and to win this battle of comparison that we've been involved in. Thank you for teaching us that comparison is the death of godly wisdom, the death of intelligence, and revealing to us that when we compare, it gives birth to pride and insecurities. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you don't know that he created you with a purpose for a purpose, but today you could always take that step forward with a relationship with Jesus and find your purpose. So if you're ready for that step, would you just lift your hand and invite him in? Would you lift your hand if that's you? Thank you. And then if everyone would repeat after me, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. You came to this earth, died on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Give me your life and I'll give you mine. Show me how to live for you and I'll spend each day doing just that. Amen.